0: This week's episode is brought to you by Oracle NetSuite. Oracle NetSuite, I think, solves a really important problem that a lot of startups, business owners, executives face, which is how do you get the information that you need instantly all in one place? Before we upgraded the Oracle NetSuite at my last startup, it used to take us a lot of time to pull the information reports that we needed for our quarterly investment meeting or the report that we wanted to send to both internal employees as well as stakeholders and shareholders at the end of the month. Upgrade to Oracle NetSuite today so you can get the visibility and control you need over your financials, HR, inventory, and everything you need in one place that you can access instantly. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com. scale Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com. Dot com slash scale that is netsuite.com slash scale welcome back to another episode of uncharted podcast we have a great guest today Kristen dorham from zendesk welcome
1: great thank you so happy to be here
0: so excited to have you and i want to thank pedro for the introduction as well as questions much appreciated pedro with that said, Kristen, we we love to kick it off with a personal slash professional bio in one. So tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and, and how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure. Uh, today, I work as the VP for Startup Initiatives at Zendesk, which is a customer service software company. Uh, my journey to this role was anything but linear. I grew up on a farm in Missouri, uh, studied agricultural economics, went to China, got interested in the environment, ended up in California, and a couple more fortuitous steps later, uh, ended up joining Zendesk back in 2016. First as the chief of staff to our CEO, and then uh, moving out to to lead our startup program full time. Um, from that role. So it's, it's been a, it's been a bit of a journey, but I, I, you know, a couple of the common themes for me, you know, one has been really around working with, with startups of, of a variety of, of sizes and stages. I, I just love what founders do and, and, you know, enjoy playing whatever supportive role I can in that journey Uh, too. I've, I've really been interested in, Uh, international business for a long time. I think growing up in a very small place, I I always looked uh, far beyond um, home. And so, you know, whether it was at Silicon Valley Bank, um, some of my work right out of graduate school, and and certainly at Zendesk, which, you know, we have about half of our business outside of the United States. That's been another exciting and, and motivating factor for me over the years.
0: That's awesome. So let's let's start with the international side, because I find it fascinating being in Missouri in your own world to basically get this passion for doing international things, whether it's China, Turkey, Brazil, Latin America. Where does that come from? Like, I'm just curious, like, was that like you just being eager to see the world or like what drove you to kind of have that passion?
1: That's a good, it's a good question. I, you know, I stay in Missouri, right? We barely speak English. And so sometimes it's, it's hard to, uh, to think about learning another language and, and going beyond. It was actually growing up on a farm that really motivated me to, to look outside of the U S and to look at bigger things. Uh, my grandfather and my father were both involved in some international promotion of Soybeans, as it were, uh, we we export a lot of soybeans here in the U.S. Um, a lot of those end up in in China and other places. And you know, even though while what we were doing was very local, it was a part of this much bigger uh, global market. And so I think that part of that is is what really what what my appetite as 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 my interest expanded from agriculture to environment, from environment, you know, then beyond to. Uh, technology and innovation, you know, it, it just became more and more obvious that uh, international markets growing globally was was going to continue to be a very consistent theme there. Um, but really, really the turning point for me was a study abroad program I did in college. I went to Wuhan, China for six months uh, on an environmental engineering program and just fell in love with, you know. Everything I learned both about China and about all of the uh, other foreign students that were there with me at the time and and the places they came from and the ways that they all uh, wanted to go back home and and do really important things in in the countries they were coming from.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's, I got to tell you, one of the things I love about study abroad is we all have our biases and notion of what the world is. And anytime you bridge that, whether it's their uh, biases or our biases, I think that's a huge win. And that was something that my alma mater, Chapman University, used to do. So Mm -hmm. I can't, if you're listening and you have that opportunity, go travel because it's the best way to uh, test for and experiment things for yourself. Um, I'm fast... Fast forwarding here, but I got to, I got to ask one of the things I found fascinating and wanted you on the show is your chief of staff experience. And anytime I hear that, I got to think, like, I, I think about like the, the shows I watch that are about like politics or like just that's, that's what comes to mind. Like the chief of the staff of the president or the CEO or something. So please get the ignorant people such as myself that might not know what you do day day out like what does a chief of staff do how did you get the role like what does the day-to-day look like if there is even such a thing would love some context there
1: sure it's exactly as glamorous as what you see on tv uh (laughs) (laughs) or or maybe not exactly uh yeah it's Going into into this role of chief of staff, it was it was new to me. I was only the second person at Zendesk to sit in this role. Um, now now we have uh, our 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 third person who was um, was it is our chief legal officer now working with our CEO. Uh, and so you know, being it being such a new role at, at Zendesk and and a new role for me, one of the things that I really appreciate about it and have you know since seen in other places and talk to others in this role is that really it it ends up becoming it becomes what the institution needs at the time it becomes what the ceo needs at the time and it becomes what unique skills the person in that seat can bring to the table because ultimately any organization that hires a chief of staff has Way more uh, issues and, and objectives and, and priorities than what any one person can can take on. Uh, this role is to really give more lift to the CEO by taking on whatever it is uh, of that long list of priorities that is possible. And So when you know, when I joined, some of the some of the easy obvious things were running weekly. Uh, staff meeting with the CEO, running the weekly uh, e-staff meeting. Uh, You spent a lot of time working on town halls, other internal communications. Uh, I joined in 2016. So Zendesk was already uh, was already public but you know we were still doing a lot to grow our brand and and uh, our footprint both of customers and employees uh, internationally so we spent a lot of time traveling with the ceo supporting him in, in customer visits and outreach to government partners you know all sorts of things that came up from an external perspective when we were going through those through those growth cycles as well. And so, you know, I think that over time you find those, those business processes that you own that have a very decided weekly cadence, like staff meeting, you have those with a monthly cadence, um, which are, you know, uh, check-ins on performance, uh, updates from different organizations, you've got your your QBRs on a quarterly basis, and um, generally we we started with um, good annual planning and inched our way towards long range planning um, when I was in the role too. And so you, you can have that cadence to the work, but at the same time, you know, you gotta be ready for whatever the um, issue du jour ends up being. And so I think that for folks who, who are curious about a role like this, you know, one, it's, it's great for a generalist. You really get to flex all of your muscles um, and, and two though, you know, you, you really have to be, you have to be comfortable with the idea that you're going to be in this very supportive role that you're going to influence and direct a lot and probably own final execution on, on very little. And so for me, you know, that was, that was an interesting learning Uh, about the role and about myself, which, which ultimately, you know, motivated me to want to kind of take our startups business and, and go and own and run that full time. You know, when I, when I really started seeking that, that one thing that I could fully uh, own and sink my teeth into.
0: As Zendesk, since you've been there, has gone from a million dollar company to a billion dollar company.
1: Uh, What's
0: changed? What's remained the same? I'm curious to hear about your experience
1: some of the things that we expected would propel that growth haven't haven't materialized yet and and others uh, you know, really really took off in ways that we hadn't anticipated at the time. And so you know I think um, I think within that the lesson is you know you 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 always wake up every day being very, being very planful, trying to, trying to think, you know, what is, what is a doubling of this company going to look like in terms of revenue, in terms of customers, in terms of employee size, uh, you make the best assumptions you can, and then you get to work and and adjust as it goes along. Uh, now that we're at a billion dollars in, in revenue, um, you know, uh, and I'm I'm a little bit more of an outsider from the CEO's office now than before. But you know, I think I think some of the really important things that change are the are the you know the size and the globalness of our employee base. You know, when when you're smaller, you can sometimes take shortcuts when it comes to creating internal culture, uh, ensuring that people understand what's going on within within the company, that they're well informed. As you get bigger, you have to be very intentional about that because, you know, you, you over time accumulate people who have very different starting points with the organization. And so ensuring that everyone of shares in that same story and that same vision is is increasingly important. and And for the CEO, you know, probably his or her most important job going through those cycles is, is just repeating the story over and over and ensuring that culture, ensuring that the focus on the customer, maintains the highest fidelity uh, as you go through um, the successes and the challenges that come when when you scale like that.
0: If there was one actionable thing that you've learned over the years of how an executive, a CEO, really hammers home like the priority to get everybody moving in the right direction, knowing like why we're doing the things like you're doing, over the years, what's what's that like one actionable tip that's really helped Zendesk move in that direction? I'm just curious, like if you had to give something a little more tactical.
1: I think one of the things that Mikkel does a great job at is every single town hall, reminding everyone why we're there. Uh, you know, you you may you may get fatigued with with kind of repeating the mission, repeating the focus again and again, but you know, that uh, that emphasis is really important. You know, finding things, though, that as as a CEO or as part of the executive team that you can do that that, you know, show by actions, not just by words, how these things come to life in the organization is equally important um, to 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 help. Uh, model the behavior that you want to see within the rest of the customers, and so you know, for for us, we we, we approach that in a variety of ways. Certainly, going um, out and meeting with customers was a big part of that. A couple of years uh, into my tenure, we we ran a special program where everyone up through the CEO kind of did a um, you know, made sure that they got back in the ticket queue, uh, the, the customer support ticket queue for Zendesk, and, you know, were, were refamiliarizing themselves if they weren't in it regularly with our software, with our customers, and with our internal processes and ensuring that all of those three things were were working together to really serve the customer and, you know, from whatever role you sat in you could see the things that maybe were challenging and take that back to your day-to-day work and and get after it. So I think, yeah, one, repeating the mission, focusing on it, and then finding those ways to, to demonstrate um, that, that, that importance um, through, through the actions that you take. And, and I think, I think anchoring those with the customer has always been a very, you know, obvious and and direct and, and, um, clear way for, for a company like ours to, to demonstrate the commitment, um, to our values.
0: Yeah. Leading by example, right? That's half the battle sometimes. Because, you know,
1: the other thing is, is, is over time, you you are going to have to rely on everyone else in the organization to carry this forward too. And, and that, that's, that's probably the other important part of it is, you know, over time you realize that, that your ability to get really down into the depths of, of thinking about creating culture, it just gets harder and harder. And so again, like, you know, these, these, these touchstone moments that you can create, um, and, and make it easy for, for others in the organization to go out and replicate are, are so important.
0: Yeah. Uh, I gotta ask, I'm sure you had a lot of different initiatives, things you could have done. Why did we double down and why did we focus on the Zendesk for startups program? Like where did that excitement come and How did you make that decision?
1: Uh for me personally, I, you know, I, I had been working at Silicon Valley Bank before coming to Zendesk. And spent a lot of time with uh, venture funds and and founders in international markets like like China, Brazil, Turkey, um, Mexico, and and through that experience, you know, I I really grew to love and admire uh, the work of startups at Zendesk, it it was very obvious to me. One, we had, we had been a startup and we had that affinity, but two, you know, really a lot of, a lot of the business was built on and with, and uh, for startups, Uh, you know, early brands that, that came to Zendesk, like Uber and Airbnb, you know, really drove our product roadmap. Um, They also helped propel our growth over time. And, you know, the, the ability for us to make tools you know kind of a a forever tool in the stack you know where where you can have a founder do the initial implementation and you know thousands of employees later uh you can still be using the same tool to serve your customers it's it's really unique in the market and uh but but we have to we have to be out there reminding and, and sharing um sharing what it is that we can do and what it is that we've learned working with all these startup customers over the year. We have to be out in the community doing that. And so, you know, for me personally, I see all sorts of opportunity for the business by focusing on startups, but I, you know, more importantly, see how how it really aligns to the type of company that we want to be um and and how with focused efforts um towards Helping early stage companies really get up and running right, we can we can we can inject them with a little bit of energy to move faster and better, um, and and take away you know the spending spending cycles. Thinking about you know what are the tools I need, and and focus that on you know the strategy and other priorities for the business.
0: I love it, and one of the things. I, why I said it prepared you almost for this role, right? I can only imagine running an initiative within a bigger company, right? That has a bigger, probably arching uh, initiatives. You have to get a lot of people on the same boat moving in the right direction, but more importantly, you got to get a lot of buy-in, right? I know mm-hmm. you had to do that as a chief of staff, probably on like more of an individual level where like getting the execs to buy-in. But when you talk about a startup within a bigger organization. I think it's just like it adds so much more complex complexity and challenges. And this is coming from experience working at like Oracle and Dolby and like having done it myself, right? Like what has worked in your, um, like what are some of the challenges in your world that you've seen come time after time, but more importantly, similar to like the earlier question I had asked about like that one takeaway that's like really helped you. If somebody's like going through that today in their day to day, like, what's one actionable suggestion would you have for them?
1: Yeah, for us living as this, um, we're we're not a BU, uh, we're not a business unit. We're we're within the broader organization, and and that requires a lot of. Um, A lot of cooperation, a lot of influence building, um, uh, a lot of partnership with other parts of the organization. Uh, So I do think I do think my time as chief of staff uh, definitely prepared me for for some of what that takes. Uh, The uniqueness of serving startups is kind of this super segment where a company can go from, you know, 10 employees to 100 to 1000 in a very short amount of time. You know, we we try to help the organization solve for that need for speed and velocity and and the ability to react quickly to the changing landscape of needs for these very unique customers. Um, and so, you know, through that, I think I think partnering across sales across marketing um, has been really important within our team. You know, we directly own uh, unique investments in our. Uh, business development functions, so working with partners, whether those are venture firms, accelerators like Y Combinator, um, third-party vendors to startups like uh, Segment or Brex. You know, we we've built out a program around that, so we can really we can really drive richness of of relationships and referrals uh, through those partnerships. We've also invested uniquely in in a startup success team, so folks who only wake up every day thinking about how can we help companies. Onboard better, more quickly. Like really, use our APIs. Really, really, kind of build customer experience into into the into the DNA of of their companies from early on. And so, the opportunity to do both of those things has been has been really great. And and it's pretty rare, uh, you know, for a company of our size to 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 be able to make the level of investments that we have um, in our startup team and our startup programs. Um, and you now know that
0: you're. Now that you're in that role, right? We, we're talking about investments. I am sure, knowing Pedro and the rest of the team, they're coming to you with different ideas left and right because they're so smart and they think ten steps ahead of time. Like, how do you think about like where to make those investments? Like, how? Like, what's work, What's the framework that you use? Because, um, like, whether it's the startup success program, like, how did you folks decide to do that versus put your investment somewhere else? I'm just curious. How are those decisions made by you as one of the leaders?
1: yeah so for me um you know I, I i think that we 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 think about the approach to the business in in you know very very standard ways um you know we we think about we think about growing our funnel uh we think about acquisition both organic and paid we think about um you know converting the funnel And, um, and of course, retention. I think that the thing that is unique is that, you know, while, and, and we of course have quarterly targets, but while there's a lot more immediacy to the, to the expectation of when something will pay off in the core business, you know, we, we have the flexibility to, to be patient, you know, just that extra 6 12 18 months um, you know to watch the upfront investment that we make in 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 a startup pay off and so you know for me i think uh, you know i i always kind of press on when it comes from an investment standpoint you know what are those things that uniquely we can do as a team that you know we we've got this huge billion dollar organization alongside of us which will do plenty um else you know but what are those things that that are really going to change the dynamic for an early stage founder or an early stage startup team when they're when they're f- you know, first grappling with those challenges of of supporting a growing customer base and preparing for scale. And so that, you know really trying to solve for that unique gap, which is um which is really about um, how do you do this in practice and and meeting that challenge with our success investments has been a big part of it. Um, you know we also know that startups look to their investors for a lot of advice and a lot of good direction early on and so that's part of what's motivated our investment in the in the business development function that we have you know the more that we can help our partners understand what's really possible through our platform you know the easier it becomes for us to get that message out to founders and so um yeah really really finding those things that are unique those things that too will we'll differentiate you from what other competitors in the space are doing. Um, you know, have have been two of the things that that at least I I always kind of think about when when you know we look to see where do we where do we add people to the team and where do we where do we put dollars behind that.
0: That's great. And one last question to conclude our uh, amazing show: If the wiser Kristen could go back to the younger Kristen, what advice would you give yourself?
1: The the wiser Kristen would tell the younger Kristen to, to learn how to code a little bit more. <laughs> Not as fluent as I need to be.
0: That's great. And I couldn't agree more. We're either going to tell the robots what to do or the robots are going to tell us what to do. Well, Kristen, this has been um, amazing. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Really enjoyed having you. Uh, thanks for uh, your wisdom. For anybody listening, if you want to connect with Kristen, uh, her contact information will be in the show notes. Uh, and as always, we want to thank you for joining Uncharted Podcast. We will catch you on the next episode until then be well, be safe and catch you next time. This week's episode is brought to you by Oracle NetSuite. Oracle NetSuite, I think solves a really important problem that a lot of startups, business owners, executives face, which is how do you get the information that you need instantly all in one place? Before we upgraded to Oracle NetSuite at my last startup, it used to take us a lot of time to pull the information reports that we needed for our quarterly investment meeting. Or the report that we wanted to send to both internal employees as well as stakeholders and shareholders at the end of the month. Upgrade to Oracle NetSuite today so you can get the visibility and control you need over your financials, HR, inventory, and everything you need in one place that you can access instantly. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com/scale. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com/scale. That is netsuite.com/scale.